right, good morning, everyone. Good to see you. Uh, some of you, when Pastor Tyler said, Pastor Peter is preaching this morning, you're probably like, what? Peter sent an email on Thursday that said we're going to hear from Pastor Greg this Sunday, and that's true, I did. Um, thought Pastor Greg was coming. I got a call yesterday and found out uh, lead pastor, Pastor Greg, is not feeling well. And I was truly amazed because in 15 years with Pastor Greg, the first time that has ever happened on a Saturday where he calls and says, I don't know if I can do it, I'm not feeling good. And so I hopped to it, I went to the office, I'm like, all right, we got to orient around a message today. And so I want to let you know I'm ready to go and I'm even wearing a cardigan. Yeah. Woo! For those of you who know Pastor Greg, he loves his cardigans. And so I was like, I need some extra juice this morning. I need some anointing. And so does the anointing flow from the cardigan? We're going to find out. So that's why I'm wearing a cardigan. Um, but yeah, I believe you're going to be blessed today. I just encourage you to open up your hearts to receive and to respond to God because, man, he is just going to rock this church. I believe that through this message. So um, why don't we pray? We're going to pray for Pastor Greg. We're going to pray that God touches his body and that he experiences healing. He was supposed to take some vacation this week, so, man, I want him to be recharged and refreshed, and so let's pray for him. God, we just uh, bless the church this morning. Thank you for worship, God. Thank you for the compliment of your Holy Spirit's presence in the house of God. Lord, we thank you that you are a healer. We see that in your word. We've seen that practically when we've prayed for people in our church. And so we just pray for Pastor Greg that you would touch his body, that you would strengthen him, that you would restore him in Jesus' mighty name. And God, what the enemy has meant for evil, we pray that you would turn it upside down and there would be good. There would be flourishing and prosperity and life in your church today. And everyone said, amen. amen. Okay, we are on chapter seven of our book series, The Good and Beautiful Life. And uh, today's message is about learning to bless those who curse you. Learning to bless those who curse you. What are the chances that we are on that chapter right now? Because there's stuff happening in our nation and political system and in our province and there's stuff happening between Russia and Ukraine and there's all these things happening. And it can be so tempted because we are confronted often with situations where, man, we just want to curse. We just want to lash out, we just want to get mad, we want to get revenge, and we want to, you know, yeah, lash out at our political authorities, maybe even people in our family or our friends or community, um, but the job of the church is to bless. That is the role of the church. Now, this teaching of Jesus, blessing those who curse, blessing those who curse was radical even in his day. Uh, they practiced this law, it was called reciprocity. I don't know if I'm saying that right, but the law of reciprocity, or this is what the word means. Basically, it means mutual action, mutual exchange. It's the whole like eye for an eye thing and tooth for a tooth thing. And uh, it can be a good thing or it can be a bad thing. When somebody gives you a gift, I don't know if you're one of those people that are like, <laughs> they gave me a gift feel like I have to give them a gift, you know, or they did me a favor, I feel like I have to do them a favor. Um, but it can have a negative connotation as well. If somebody injured you, you go and get a bat and you injure them back. That's what you do. If somebody robbed you and you were caught, 
They had to pay it back four times over. That's the way that it worked in ancient Israel. If someone insulted you, you could take them to court. And so the people of Israel, they were all about mutuality and all about fairness, whether it be good or very negative. But here's what else is important to know about Israel. They also lived in a day where people felt incredibly disempowered, vulnerable, and exposed uh, because there were powerful and wealthy people that did not live by that same law of fairness, of mutuality. And so, uh, like, Roman soldiers, Roman rulers, they operated with tremendous freedom and license. They could bully people. Uh, You know, if you encountered a Roman soldier on the road, that Roman soldier could ask you to carry their military kit like a mile. Um, even when Jesus was crucified and, you know, he, he had to go to Calvary carrying his cross, there was this guy named Simon of Cyrene, and a Roman soldier grabs this guy by the arm and says, you're going to help carry the cross. He had no choice. He had to do it. And so it was a terrible time to be an average citizen and to experience this deep disempowerment. And I think there's something in our hearts, too. We long for fairness. We long for mutuality, we, <laughs> common exchange. And there were people in the midst of that suppression and oppression that they resisted. They kicked back. I think about the zealots. And they had insurrections and revolts. But those things very often only made matters worse for the people of Israel. Now, the false narrative uh, that James Bryan Smith mentions in chapter 7 of the book is when someone hits you, you hit them back. False narrative. When somebody hits you, you hit them back. Uh, I have a family member like that. I have a, that that's, that's the narrative that fueled him for many years throughout his teenage years and young adult years. And he was a scrapper. He would get into fights all the time if somebody offended him or tried to hurt him. And so he was a bit ruthless that way. It seems fair. It seems right to live like that. But let's be honest, if we all live like that, all you have is a culture and a society of toothless and eyeless people. Do we not? (laughs) Right? People get hurt if we're all swinging at each other. And I wonder if a few of us, again, are feeling that way in our nation right now with just injustice that seems to have been happening, or we look across the sea at what's happening in Ukraine. So many people look for a way to hit back when they're hit. Or maybe it's not even physical aggression. You know, most of us are not actually going to go and punch somebody, but maybe it comes out in our attitude and in our words, things like cursing, slandering, gossiping, you know, uh, getting on social media and just going for it on a comment thread or, you know, making a nasty post and then you go away and feel convicted about it and the Holy Spirit makes you go delete it. And yeah, I don't know if you've ever been through that, but Jesus commands his followers to live by a different law. We're different. We don't live like that. If the law of an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth leaves us worse off than before and it's bad on our community and our culture, how are we to live our lives? Now, the Bible, um, I was reading a scripture yesterday, the Bible calls us peculiar people. And when I read that word, a peculiar people, I was like, I don't want to be called peculiar. You know, that means weird or strange or bizarre. But when you dig into that definition of what it is to be peculiar, it's actually referring to someone or something that is special, something that is treasured, something that is set apart by God. And that is more rightly an accurate 
description of the church, of the people of God, set apart, different, living by a different standard, a higher way from the people in the world. The Bible actually calls us ambassadors of the kingdom. We are ambassadors. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9, it says, you are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood. I'm going to call you priests today because that's not just pastors. That's not just the people of the Catholic Church. You are a priest. You are a holy nation, the scripture says. God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. That's a good word, isn't it? Come on now. So what does it mean to be royal priests in the kingdom realm of God? Because that's what you and I are. And yet, this is a kingdom within a kingdom. We're a kingdom within other realms of influence that are at work in our world today. We are in the world. We are not of the world. Amen? Every believer is a royal priest. And so what is the job of the priesthood of believers? Point number one today is kingdom priests are called to bless and not to curse. We're called to bless and not to curse. Uh, Dallas Willard, he's a great philosopher and writer on spiritual formation. He's mentioned quite a bit in uh, the book that we're reading. This is what he says. He says, blessing is the projection of good into the life of another. It isn't just words, it's the actual putting forth of your will for the good of another person. It involves God because when you will the good of another person, you realize that only God is capable of bringing that. The thought that came to me in the first service was, you know, it's one thing to say your story. Like, I try to make my kids say their story, you know, when they, like, hurt each other and lash out at each other. I'm, say your story to your sibling. And, you know, they can say sorry with an eye roll, and they can droop their shoulders, and then they can, like, run off to their room. And I'm like, that wasn't sorry. But sorry is, like, willing willing yourself to care for the other person, to be repentant, you know, for your action. And blessing is like that too. We don't just read it. We don't just say it. We will it. We lean into it to see blessing in our culture and in our church and in our nation. Blessing transforms us, church. We are dramatically and wonderfully changed as God wills blessing into our lives. And I want you to know that we're not only blessed to be happy, that's a very Western mentality, you know, we're blessed to, to, to feel rich and, you know, to, to do well and to prosper and, oh, yeah, like, I'm blessed. But the things that God gives to you are, are meant to go through you. That's the thing. The blessings God gives to you are meant to go through you. He wants you to bless other people through what he gives to you. Now, this is quite a bit different than cursing, isn't it? Having ill will toward others, wishing them harm, wishing them disaster. And, and we can get this way in our thoughts and in our emotions and with our words and even our activities. We can will curses for other people. But we're called to bless. The Israelite priests were called to bless Israel but as priests of the kingdom of God, under the new covenant, under Jesus Christ, we are called to bless the nations of the world. We represent his will and his intentions to the world. Now, the Bible is full of incredible teaching. Um, they talk about it in the Alpha film series. They say no one has ever improved upon the moral standing of Jesus Christ. He stands apart from every other religious leader. Like, this was mind-blowing radical stuff in Jesus' day. He said things like, love your enemies, do good to those who hurt you. Like, what? It's like, 
unbelievable. Go the extra mile with those who take advantage of you. When Jesus said that, he's actually referring to Roman soldiers that are bullying you and making you carry their gear down the road for a mile. He says, don't just carry it a mile, carry it two. Wow. And in doing those things, you will fulfill the law of Christ. Now, um, I'm going to use an example that James Bryan Smith uses in the book. He talks about jiu-jitsu. I don't know if anybody in the room has ever taken some jiu-jitsu, uh, but it's a Japanese martial art that is defensive by nature. And what I, when I say defensive, what I mean is it uses an attacker's force or energy against them. And the word literally means an act of yielding. It's an act of yielding. And so what James Bryan Smith does is he takes jiu-jitsu and he talks about kingdom jiu-jitsu. We're going to talk about kingdom jiu-jitsu right now. And so, again, we are not like the people of the world. We turn insults into blessings, and when we do, we turn the world on its head. And so there was a story. I'm going to share several stories now. There was a story about a church um, that was doing this. They were trying to tell the world about Jesus by practicing kindness. And so they set out into their community to do random acts of kindness. They did things like, like car washes. I remember I went on a missions trip and we did car washes for free, uh, neighborhood cleanups, yard cleanups, painting old fences. And one day, one of their members of this church uh, he took his kids to a fast food restaurant, and it was busy. It was a busy fast food restaurant, and there was one booth left, and he went and he took his kids and he put them in the, the seats, and he lined up to go and get their food. And next thing you know, he's in line to get their food, and his little guy is tugging on his pant leg. And he's like, what are you doing, man? Like, you're supposed to be in the seat. And he's like, uh, uh, big eyes and tears in his eyes, and he goes, well, there's a man came and said, get out of here. And so the father's like, what? How, how could that happen? So he goes back to the table, and sure enough, there's this large, rough, burly-looking guy in the booth staring back at him. This guy sees the kid that he just removed from the chair and standing next to the father, and he stands up to challenge this Christian man. And so with a gruff, you know, exterior and whatnot, he says, what's your problem? in an angry and threatening way. And what the Christian man politely says is, there is no problem, sir, but we thought you might be having a terrible day. And so while I was at the counter there, I, I, I got this certificate, and uh, we just want to cover your meal today. We want you to know that God loves you, he cares about you, and we hope that you have a much better day. <laughs> now, as the story goes, what do you say to that? This guy is completely disarmed. He's, he's stumbling and fumbling over his words. And what he did was he actually apologized. He said, I'm so sorry. And he gave the seat back to the father and the son. Now, I tell that story because that's kingdom jiu-jitsu. That's what it is. It, it's taking the negativity uh, and the attacks of others, and it's turning them as an opportunity for the kingdom and for blessing. You can't curse someone who blesses you. Now, uh, Andrea Akers, sitting here in the front row, give us a wave, Andrea. Stick a, she's like, I love, I love being put on the spot. That's, <laughs> maybe I should have her come tell this story. No, I won't do that. Okay. Andrea, Andrea was at the office yesterday. Um, I, I was coming here to write a sermon, and Andrea 
talked about a story that very much relates to kingdom jiu-jitsu. Again, a way of yielding and taking force and negativity of others and turning it around. Andrea, a while back, was at Tim Hortons, and uh, she was in the lineup, and she was at the window to pay for her food and her coffee, and the fellow behind her somehow thought that she was taking too long, taking too long to pay. And so he undoes his window, and he is yelling at her, and he's actually swearing, what are you doing? Move! A few more profanities inserted. <laughs> You're not going to get... But rather than yell back, what Andrea decided to do was buy that man's coffee. She bought his coffee, she didn't retaliate, but she instead saw it as an opportunity to bless this guy. Are you getting it, church? This is the kingdom. We are different. There's a better way. There's a higher standard. We don't tear down and hurt people. We are strengthened by God. We are filled with his presence. We are anointed to serve, and we function from there. That is where we function from as the church of Jesus Christ. Personal story for you. A couple summers ago, uh, my kids were out playing in front of the house, and, you know, they wander up and down the sidewalks and whatnot. And uh, one of our neighbors is this really rough military dude. Some military dudes are not rough. They're very kind, very sweet. If you're in the military, I hope, yeah. But this guy, this guy was rough. And I mean, he had a big truck, and it had a big lift kit, and it had big tires, and it had a big muffler, and he would go by and, and then my kids would be, ah! <laughs> right? But um, this guy was trying to get into his driveway, and he almost ran over my daughter. Not purposely, like, not purposely. He was backing in, and Isla went running past his driveway, and if it wasn't for another vehicle that began honking the horn, he probably would have flattened her. But anyhow, that sent him into a rage. He opened his window, and my wife was on the sidewalk, and he yelled and cursed and watch your kids, you this, and da-da-da-da-da-da-da, and on and on it went, and Chantel was so taken aback. She came in the house, I was in the house when this happened, and she's crying. And she's like, you wouldn't believe just what happened and whatnot, and she's emotional. And wanting to be the strong husband that I am, I was like, do you want me to go talk to him? And as soon as I said it, I regretted it. I was like, I don't, <laughs> what am I doing? I don't want to go talk to him, <laughs> right? And I was hoping she would just feel my support and be like, no, it's okay. You don't need to go talk to him. Like, it's under the blood of Jesus, and you're right. But she's like, yeah, I do want you to go talk to him. So that was, that was the longest walk three houses over to this guy's house that I ever had. And so on the way, I'm wondering if I'm going to get, like, sucker punched or, like, sworn at or whatnot. So I knock on his door, and sure enough, he's pretty worked up. I tell him, hey, that was my daughter, you know, in your driveway and whatnot, and I just wanted to, like, hear your side of things and whatnot. And he did get really loud, and he got in my face and whatnot. But I, I didn't react. I didn't. I actually softened, and I just listened. And I said, look, we really want a good relationship with our neighbors. And I just want to thank you for not running over my daughter. Like, a tragedy almost happened. And, like, I, I appreciate that this is coming from a place of actually caring about. And then he just totally came unglued. And next thing you know, we're smiling at each other. We shook hands with each other. We started talking a little bit about our lives and our families. And from that day, he went out of his way to wave at me, smile at me, to say hi outside. 
because I didn't get all up in his face. I mean, he had bigger muscles than me in military training, and I could have prayed for him, like put me in a headlock, Lord bless you. <laughs> but, uh, um, but powerful and simple, kingdom jiu-jitsu is what James Bryan Smith would call it. Romans chapter 12 and verses 19 to 21. It says, do not take revenge, dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, and I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. This is crazy stuff. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. And in doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Can I get an amen? Yeah. So first point was we're called to bless and not to curse. Second point explains how we do that. Second point is kingdom priests are called to build bridges, not barriers between God and the world. We are called to build bridges. We're not called to build barriers. See, we are God's intermediaries. I had to look up that word. What is an intermediary? It's like an intercessor. An intermediary is a person who acts as a bridge between people in order to try and bring about agreement or reconciliation. That is what you are. You are a minister of reconciliation. You are an intermediary. You are a go-between God and people, bridging the gap. Now, we are bridge builders, is what we are. We build bridges so that people can see and know God. We build bridges by building His church. You just continue to declare life and life to full over this body, and you serve, and you attend, and you join, and you give. And by doing that, you are building the church as a place where people can come into a relationship with their Heavenly Father. Amen? We build bridges by serving in our workplaces. We build bridges by not participating in hateful, slanderous conversations in the lunchroom. Don't do it. Speak powerfully. Speak positively. We build bridges by being kind to others. Here's a thought. When people know that you are a follower of Jesus, your life either builds a bridge or creates a barrier. Just that knowledge alone. I'm a Christian. Instantly, in that moment, there's either a bridge or there's a gap. <clears throat> People are instantly wondering, are you judgmental? Or are you the kind of person that I can confide in? The kind of person that I can go to for advice and wisdom and prayer and care? Instantly, they will make a decision about a bridge or a barrier. What kind of Christian do you want to be? Everything we do is bridging the gap or widening it. Now, one thing that I want to talk about when it comes to uh, bridging the gap is intercession. There's this awesome word in Scripture called intercession, and I want to give you an example of what that looks like. Genesis chapter 18, there's a guy named Abraham, and he is interceding. He's standing in the gap. He's praying. He's declaring. He's bringing heaven to earth. He's interceding for his nephew Lot and for the people of this city called Sodom. So Lot makes an unwise decision, and he moves to a brutally wicked city called Sodom. And it's so wicked that God is like, I'm going to destroy this wicked, sexually immoral, uncaring, terrible city. It's going to be destroyed. And we're going to pick up that story, verse 16 of chapter 18 of Genesis. It says this, when the men got up to leave, they looked down towards Sodom, and Abraham walked along with them to see them on their way. 
Then the Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? He was about to destroy the city. The men that were with Abraham, they turned away and went towards Sodom. But Abraham remained standing before the Lord. Remember verse 22. I'm going to come back to it. Then Abraham approached him and said, Will you sweep away the righteous with the wicked? What if there are 50 righteous people in the city? Will you really sweep it away and not spare the place for the sake of 50? Far be it from you to do such a thing, to kill the righteous with the wicked, treating the righteous and the wicked alike. Far be it from you. Will not the judge of the earth do right? The Lord said, If I find 50 righteous people in the city of Sodom, I will spare the whole place for their sake." And so I'm not going to continue reading on, but it goes on like this. Abraham is, is interceding. He's before the Lord. He's praying, and he says, what if you find 40 righteous? Will you spare that city? What if you find 30, 20, 10? God answered, for the sake of 10, I will not destroy the city. Now, why am I telling you this story? It's because as priests of the living God, peculiar people, special, treasured people in the kingdom of heaven, our job is not to judge the world and its wickedness. Our job is to intercede for it. We intercede for the world. Do you believe that God reveals things that are wicked in our world so that he can destroy those things? If you believe that he reveals wickedness to pummel people, destroy people, crush people, that's a false narrative. That's false. He doesn't. We see things and we experience things as ministers of reconciliation, as his priests, so that we can cry out for deliverance over our nation, over our community, over our families. We stand before the Lord like Abraham and we make intercession. We intercede because we know what it is to be separated. You were once lost. You were once confused. You were once depraved. You were once far away from God. And somebody prayed for you. Somebody invited you. Somebody encouraged you. Somebody was patient with you. We know what it is to be selfish and to be self-centered and yet to have God extend his mercy and his grace to us. Can I get an amen? amen. That was, that's your life. That's my life. It's interesting, again, I mentioned, take note of verse 22. This is, this is significant. It's interesting that the men who were with Abraham, they turned away from the Lord and they turned toward Sodom. But Abraham didn't turn toward Sodom. He turned toward the Lord. There's a point there. In our anger and judgment, it's tempting to turn and gaze upon the wicked city. It's tempting to turn and gaze upon the problems, upon the injustice, upon all those wicked people. But Abraham did not turn and gaze upon Sodom or go to Sodom. Abraham remained and turned to the Lord. And he believed that God would move upon that situation, that God would move upon that person. John 3.17 says, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him powerful verse. Though the world is evil and worthy of judgment, God's heart is mercy and reconciliation, and that ought to be the heart of his ministers, of his priests. Hallelujah. And yes, some of you are saying, but the world will stand condemned. Yeah, the world will stand condemned if they don't repent and if they don't turn to God and change their ways, but how are they going to turn unless we shout from the rooftops, church, and shout from our social media platforms? 
paint a picture of a God who is for them and not against them and wants relationship with them. If we priests don't stand in the gap, who will intercede? Um, bringing us to the new covenant, bringing us to the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus shows us the ultimate heart of God for this world. Has anybody ever seen a picture of like, you know, here's the world over here and here's heaven over here and there's a big cross bridging the gap? Man, I love that picture. I love that picture. Jesus bridged the gap between God and people by sacrificing his life on the cross. Jesus selflessly laid down his life to make a way when there was no way. And so moving to my third point, how can we learn to bless and not curse? How can we build bridges and not barriers between God and people? We're going to look at a priestly blessing, and this is going to be so special. We're going to sing it together after the service. We already watched a video on it. Uh, This is in Numbers chapter 6, starting at verse 22. This is what it says. The Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron and his sons, this is how you are to bless the Israelites. Say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. So they will put my name on the Israelites and I will bless them. First line, the Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. God blessing and keeping us means that he wills our good. Again, he doesn't just say it. He puts the full force of his nature and his character into blessing you. That word blessing, to protect, to attend, to be aware of, to take heed of, to mark, observe, preserve, save, and watch over you. Blessing of the Lord upon you and upon your family. It says, the Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. We're going to come back to that, but I want to use another text to talk a little bit more about what that means. Exodus chapter 33, Moses is having this amazing encounter with God up on the mountain, and he says, God, I want to see you. This is what he says. Moses said to God, I beseech you, show me your glory. God said, I will make all my goodness pass before you, and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, before you, for I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. I will show mercy and loving kindness on whom I will show mercy and loving kindness. But he said, you cannot see my face. It's interesting how our text said, may his face shine upon you. But in this text, you cannot see my face, for no man shall see me and live. And the Lord said, Behold, there is a place beside me, and you shall stand upon the rock. And while my glory passes by, I'm going to put you, Moses, in a cleft of the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will take away my hand, and Moses will only see God partially. Now, what does this mean? When Moses asked to see God, again, he was only seeing part of God, a glimpse of God. To see God's face would have fried him. To see God's face would have killed him. And many people for years have read this text and thought, because God is a fire and brimstone God, and he just wants to kill people, and he wants to, God is so big and so powerful. It's not why. It's because God is so good. He is so pure. He is so excellent. He is so holy. He is so good. Moses only saw a glimpse of God But again, bringing us back to the new covenant, bringing us back to Jesus, you and I see in full 
because we have encountered a revelation of the living God expressed through His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 6 says, For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Jesus Christ. (laughs) Oh man. See, as priests, we are invited to look steadily into the face of God and in doing so, we are blessed in his presence. When God is gracious to us, it means we receive a revelation of who he is. Um, We see his generosity, we see his kindness, we see his mercy, his love, and all that he is. When we steadily gaze upon Jesus and spend time with the Holy Spirit, we're blessed by the very nature and presence of God. Amen? Pastor Greg says it often. He goes, grace is divine influence upon the heart and its reflection in life. When God shines on you like a spotlight, And when his face is shining upon you, you are just getting hit with revelation upon revelation of his love and his goodness and his kindness and his gentleness and his will for you. And you get so filled up. And then from that place, you are able to go out and be a blessing to other people. Again, I kind of came back to it. Um, We can't bless people on our own. We can't. I, unless I spend time with God, unless I spend time with the Holy Spirit, I actually have nothing to give. I'm an empty cup. Blessing is not something that God gives. Blessing is something that God is. God is. We spend time around Him. We spend time in His presence, and we're filled, and we're blessed. How many of you know that we become what we behold? Has anybody ever heard that? We become what we behold. And um, if I could go off on a little bit of a rant, here's the issue that I have sometimes, is we spend way more time on our social media feeds, we spend way more time watching videos, sharing articles, ranting. What if I gave you some homework and said, for every 15 minutes you spend reading and sharing articles and videos, you need to spend one hour with the Lord? Who in this room would say, I've done that, and I do that? I, I actually quadruple my time with God over my time on social media reading and sharing articles. That's convicting because I don't know for sure. This is not accusing anyone, but I have a feeling that we got a whole lot of priests beholding what's happening in Sodom. Remember the men that turned towards Sodom, but Abraham chose to remain with the Lord? If you're beholding only ever what you're reading, seeing, digesting in the media, man, you got to spend time with God. You got to get in his presence. We focus, what we focus on and meditate upon, we literally receive revelation of. This is why people are receiving revelation of fear. This is why people are receiving revelation of insecurity and anxiety because what's happening in our medical system and in our political system and on the other side of the world, they're reveling, they're beholding, and therefore they are becoming. Do you know where I'm going? Amen. And so when we focus on and meditate upon the Lord, we're filled and we function from that place. That's where we give. That's why going to church is so important. Regularly going to church, not just twice a year, not just once a month. This is why you come to church. This is why you worship the Lord. This is why you spend time in prayer. This is why devotions are important. You get filled up so you can pour out. Um, I just wanted to mention, we had a prayer night on Thursday. I heard it was amazing. Who was at the prayer night on Thursday? 
Yeah, come on, raise your hands. My wife was there, I was at home with the five kids, and I put them all in bed, and I put on my headphones, and I was with you, church. I want to let you know, I was pacing in my kitchen, I was worshiping, I was declaring, and I wasn't on my couch, frustrated reading articles, I was worshiping the living God. And you better believe I was praying for Canada, and I was praying for Ukraine as well. Our text said this, the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. So they will put my name on the Israelites and I will bless them. We're going to call the band back. We're going to finish with a time of prayer today. Uh, We're going to close in worship and we're going to close with an invitation to fix our gaze on our Heavenly Father. Now, how many of you would agree that We live in a very distracted, angry world right now. Anybody? Yeah, world's a little bit distracted, a little bit angry. I have an analogy that I want to give you in closing. Have you ever had a moment with your child where they were distracted and turned away from you and from your face and they were staring at that thing, distracting them? The example that comes to mind, because I have young kids, it's usually when one of them offends the other. Like they, they get hurt, they get hit, their toy gets taken away, and I have this kid coming at me, and they're like, and they're so, so mad at their sibling. But what I do is I grab that little face, like this. I grab them by the cheeks, and I say, just look at Dad. Look at your father. I love you. I care about you. I'm sorry that hurt you. I'm sorry that offended you. And I'm going to deal with that unruly sibling. (laughs) I can deal with that unruly sibling. How many of you know the wrath of man never yields the righteousness of God? The wrath of man never yields the righteousness of God. And so God is wanting to do that for his church. Many priests of God are turned toward injustice. They behold injustice. Just like talking to my kid. I care about it. It's not sticking your head in the sand. As a loving parent, you see what happened. You see the injustice that happened between your kids. And you will deal with it. But my kid needs to behold their father. And we need to behold our heavenly father. And so if you're staring at the trouble and your heart is filling with fury and judgment, I just want to urge you, be moved by the love of your heavenly Father, his kindness, his compassion. Stand in the gap. I believe that Christians are the kinds of people that should pray with their hand on the newspaper and their hand on the Bible. I'm not saying don't be unaware. Be aware. Be current. Be relevant. Know what's going on. We're not going to be the church that says we're going to completely disengage politically. We're not. We're going to engage politically, but we're going to go to the source and say, Father, move upon the people. Move upon the nations. Hallelujah. How many of you know a servant understands his master's will, but sons and daughters understand their father's heart? And so it's not just knowing God's will, it's knowing his heart. And so even as we sing this song right now, I'm just going to believe for a revelation of the Father's heart for you, for your family, for your friends, for this community, for Justin Trudeau, for Vladimir Putin, Putin, however you say his name, uh, for the Ukraine. 
let's just take this song as an act of prayer. We're going to sing it together, and then we're going to close in prayer, all right? Lead us now, Tyler and Nick. Why don't we stand together, church? Sing this song out. Sing it out with all your heart. Make his face shine upon you. Be gracious to the Lord. Turn his face toward you. And Sing it again.
raise up those hands. This is an act of, I'm angry and I want to go get on my social media. And this is an act of, I want to receive from the living God today. I need his power. I need his presence. And so let me bless you. God, I bless the church in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, it's okay to be informed. It's okay to talk. It's okay to advocate. It's okay to go to parliament. All these things are okay. But first and foremost, that we would have a revelation of who you are. God, that we would represent your heart and your will, your intention for our nation, for our world today, God. Lord, we stand in the gap just like Abraham right now, and we intercede for injustice and for wickedness that is happening. God, we say move, God, by your sovereign power. Move upon those nations. Move upon those people, God. And Lord, stop short the plans of the enemy. And Lord, insert your kingdom plans into those places and into those people. Hallelujah. I just pray for you personally today. If you're struggling, if you're afraid, if you're insecure, if you're down and out, if you're broken, I just pray that those things would be displaced from your life and replaced with God's power, with his blessing. He loves you. He is for you. He is not against you. I pray for his presence into your houses. I pray for his presence into your workplaces. I pray for his presence into your marriages and into your parenting and into your finances and into your friendships, that everywhere you go, you will be marked by the Holy Spirit's presence. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord cause his face to shine upon you and to give you peace. And the church said, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Yes, Lord, let it be. Amen, God. You are good. You are amazing. We give you all the glory and all the praise. Hallelujah. Amen. We have prayer over by the glass cross. I think it's Namara and Leah. They're going to be over there praying. I'll just be up front by stage here. If you want to come talk to me, I'd love to pray for you, encourage you. God bless you, church. Go from this place full of revelation of how amazing you are, sons and daughters of the living God, kingdom priests. Amen. And have some coffee. Enjoy a relationship with one another. The Lord bless you. Amen.